It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast with the other Jason. Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Today's performance of Jason will be played by Spike Pitt. Now, if you are listening to this, it means that Jason has still got no voice, and I thought I'd call in to save you from one of those, well, hmm, less than awesome Siri-type episodes with the AI taking over the show, or what is it, voice-to-text or text? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, leave no man behind. Fellow podcaster needs a, a bit of help in his time and need. Spike Pitts got your back, Jason. So let me introduce the first of our callers talking about something that Jason has talked about previously. Obviously, I've no idea who this is, but it's bound to be something sensible and interesting. So let's hear what they've got to say. Hey Jason, Eric here, uh, calling as I drive with a little earbud headphones, so hopefully it's not too echoey as I talk. Um, I'm listening to whatever episode number this is, 356 Conan episode, uh, this has nothing to do with um, Conan, uh, but Daniel um, from the Bandits Keep, uh, what is it, the Media Empire, um, Kingdom, whatever you call it, uh, you guys were talking about running a Firefly game, and man, I just feel like Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells doesn't get enough love when it comes to running sci-fi games or adapting some of these IPs to a simpler, like, more streamlined system. Um, Boot Hill was neat when we ran it by the play-by-post, but I think that Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells would run that Firefly-style game much simpler than that. And you would, it already has psionics in it. It just, the powers for psionics and void magic are the same. You would just use the void powers. And I've always had everyone roll them randomly, kind of like what Daniel was talking about. Or they could research them as they're leveling up. And that game uses archetypes, so you're not really building your characters. And it kind of fits into that TV show kind of trope where you have a tough character, the nimble character, the smart, and then the gifted, which would be River, right? And I just think that, yeah, I don't know. It feels like Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells gets kind of ignored. Is there something about the game that people don't like? I mean, it's D20 roll under. Only, the only dice you need it for it are D20s and D6s. There are some tables in the book that use D10s. That's a little weird, but they're not used in-game. Monster stat blocks are ridiculously simple. Hit dice and determines damage, maybe one or two special abilities. It's a really easy game to run. So that's why I'm kind of wondering why it doesn't get more love when we talk about these different IPs, like running a Firefly game. Because when I run Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells, I have two IPs in my head. I have Firefly, and I have Guardians of the Galaxy, and I kind of mold those two things together to form the type of game I want to run. Anyway, man, those are just my thoughts. Peace. Now, there's also probably going to be a July contest. Jason will generously donate the winner of this contest, drawn at random, 
you will get $20 gift voucher to a drive through RPG and a worthy cause will be donated another $20 or thereabouts by Jason. Um, we may have to wait a little while to find out the details of this contest, but have some awesome ideas in preparation. It's going to be it's going to be massive. I've, I suspect that this may be the best one yet. Um, I I may even have to call in because last time I didn't. Um, Nick Cage. Ah, uh, I probably should have and actually feel a little bit guilty now. Sorry, Jace. So. Barbarians and Lemuria. It wouldn't be an episode of Nerds RPG Variety Cast without at least one mention. And I can, in fact, say that I have played it, and it was, in fact, run by my old buddy Jason. I loved it. It was great fun. Uh, a bunch of us played. There wasn't any sailors, if I can recall, and we didn't do any swearing, tying knots, sailing boats, navigating by the stars, or any of that stuff, but it was super fun. Sword and sorcery, larger than life. You've got to love it. Don't get the latest edition. Get the one before that. Is that right, Jason? Did I get that right, mate? Um, oh, this is really difficult. And now for a few more callers. Uh, probably Daniel from Bandits Keep. Uh, Clerics Wear Ringmail. Uh, Joe Richter from Hindsight List. Maybe Free Thralls pitched in. Oh, who am I forgetting? Um... Oh, I don't know. That new guy. Who's that new guy? <laughs> hey, Jason. Daniel from Bandits Keep calling in. Uh, although I haven't finished listening to it or ignore your reply, uh, I'm responding to something that John Lennon is saying uh, before I go into the store. Uh, you know, he's talking about the idea of theater of the mind. The, the players having to constantly ask. They don't know what's going on. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying, yeah. If you were in a combat and things were moving around all around you, I guess if you were good play actors, you could be like, Conan looks to the right and sees if he can reach that next soldier. But instead, we're players, so we're going to say, can I get over to that guy? And then DM has to adjudicate and say, yes or no. So if you're not play acting, which it seems like he doesn't uh, like so much, then the way it happens is exactly as he's describing, and I don't think that's actually a problem at all. I think it's exactly what combat would be like. And the reality of the situation is that the vast majority of fights are a mess so that you charge in and just start hacking at people in front of you using battle maps, which I know he's not saying we should do. And like moving back three squares and moving to the left and doing all this is just not something that really happens in combat. Once you get in front of somebody and they're swinging a sword at you, you're engaged with them, right? You're not going to be like, oh, let me look at the best move over here. Nothing irritates me more than playing on a grid, which is, I know he's not saying we should do. And somebody like drawing lines or holding out like pipe cleaners to see if their arrow can shoot over the three guys that are attacking them with swords to kill the wizard in the back. You just, that just wouldn't work. You, you, you wouldn't do that in, in life. You know, uh, even in like, if you look at like, even in fist fights, right? They very rarely, in movies, we always see these guys doing circle kicks and jumping around, but the vast majority of actual fights that people get into that are fisticuffs end up on the ground because they just slam into each other and people just swing left and right. I mean, combat is a mess. So, yeah, I actually like Theater of the Mind in the sense that in a lot of ways, it better emulates what an actual fight is like. If you've ever been into a fight with a bunch of people, like a barroom brawl, and I'm not saying that I have, but mm, uh, <laughs> you would know it's hard to know what the hell's going on. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that I actually, the things that he's bringing up, I agree with the points. I just don't agree that they're not 
good or not for me anyways. Uh, another thing that I want to say, and, and again, I'm not sure you'll probably need to correct me here because this is from first edition. I believe that in Malay, I don't know if it's an optional rule or just uh, whatever, that once you're in a full-on Malay, you can't even pick your enemy. You just, unless they're large or something, you randomly hit somebody in front of you. And that's generally how I run Theater of the Mind. I, when I have orcs out there, I don't put them in front of certain people. I just write the orcs and their hit points. And when somebody attacks, I roll randomly to see which one they hit until, the, until they start breaking up into small groups and stuff. Then obviously I do it differently. But when the melee first hits, it's just, it's, it's mayhem. Mayhem, swords flying, and blood. It's funny now, of course, I'm listening to the rest of it. He's not done yet, but... <laughs> See, I definitely agree with John in a lot of ways. And it's funny because what I see, though, is I, I don't see a right and a wrong, you know, or a good and a bad. I see different stuff. And I don't even see a style I prefer, to be honest with you. I, I sometimes like to move minis around. I sometimes like to use theater of the mind. This rolling to see if you get uh, the movement you want is interesting, but I can't see ever using that personally. I feel like that's the kind of thing that's up to the GM because the GM should have in their mind exactly what's going on even if every player doesn't know because the gm is top down right that doesn't mean the monsters know what's going on but it does mean the gm does so they can decide uh that's the way i like to run it anyways but i could see rolling for that if you like to roll a lot of dice that just feels like extra rolling for things that don't need to be rolled for um and now he's talking about runehammer so we'll see if i have anything else to say otherwise a uh, pretty cool conversation Okay, so I listened to that uh, part about Runehammer. I, I haven't been watching the videos, so I'm just going off what John's saying here and then your response. Yeah, I agree with you, Jason. I, mm, no. In, in fact, and I'm not bashing because I've never played it, and it actually interests me a bit, but that sounds exactly like what 4th Edition is described as. Effectively, you're setting up uh, main, like, scenes that go on that are the battles, and that's the main part of the game, which is super cool for a certain type of gaming, but... I love the dungeon crawl. I love the moments in the hallways. I love the interactions with the characters. And again, I think that's what makes this uh, hobby so interesting and so fun is that, you know, John might think, well, no, that's not role-playing because you're talking in character. Role-playing is that my character makes strategic moves uh, on the battlefield. But that, to me, is the least interesting part of the game. So I love that there's different uh, areas of the game. I love that there's different ways of playing and that people can enjoy it in so many different ways. Yo, Jason, so just listening to your latest episode and uh, John Lennon asked us all to think about thinking about our games in more cinematic terms because and just concentrating on the important bits because that's how it's like in the movies. So I have been And the first thing I thought of. Well, we're not in a movie. We're not playing a movie. We're playing a role playing game, which is much different than a movie. Um, also. If you just pay attention to the important bits, those important bits get a little less important. You know, it's like if you only eat cake all the time, cake isn't so good anymore after a while. You, there's nothing wrong with pacing your game. So sometimes you're in the heat of the action. Other times things are a little more mellow. It's all about pacing. Um, but yeah, he asked us to think about it, and that's what I thought of. Peace out. Hey, Jason, I just wanted to communicate that I really like the points and insights that uh, John Lennon brought up uh, in playing various games. And just from my experience, it's interesting, you know, how some of this can be fun and player driven. And do you really need battle map for a tactical situation? I'm always trying to do different things 
trying to feel out what my player is and what they feel more comfortable with. And it is true that some players ask questions and some players don't and then end up being confused, right? So for some players, the visualness of a tactical map is important. And for others, they appreciate like a theater of the mind because then they ask a lot of questions like is there are there torches in these sconces or you know how far away am I from the tank type of thing um, I will have another call here so this past week like I was thinking do I need a tactical map for the Twilight 2000 cash uh, assaults and I decided not to because I think it would have just taken too much time um, in contrast this week, while usually we do theater of the mind for Warhammer, I felt like the tactical situation, or at least a strategic situation, of what sort of the castle looked like needed to be explored, and um, and we did. So, and I wrote, I kind of did use the whiteboard to really, not to scale necessarily, but so the players could get a visual of what was going on with the landmarks were in one and a half miles take exit 235a toward university of texas 15th and martin luther king boulevard and you can tell that by that uh chatty kathy that i am in austin right now and you'll get a third call because that took up some of my time and i think that the whiteboarding was kind of a really good compromise because then players had like an idea where to ground themselves in what was going on and then I described the weather and the, you know, the kind of ambient situation. And then, because I didn't put all the details, like you would say, like, see, like on a VTT map with dynamic lighting and stuff. And I just did the whiteboard, a simple drawing of the, of the structures. They still ask questions about where, what was where and what's going on. And then I would add details or give them the detail. So, you know, we Fang was able to charge down a bad guy in, in, in spectacular cinematic fashion. And, uh, you know, we had a really good set of combats uh, in that in that situation, which was mostly a theater of the mind, but at least we had a, a, land, a set of landmarks to ground us. And finally, we close out the show with the gemologist himself. It's Carl Rodriguez defending himself with a riposte in response to some sort of accusation <laughs> leveled at him in a previous episode. It's all good, clean fun in the with the best of intentions. Um, excellent stuff. I look forward to maybe hearing it. <laughs> all the best, Jason. Get well soon, mate. I'll catch you later. Take care. Hey, Jason. Just listening to your latest episode and <clears throat> clearing my throat after pretending to be Cookie Monster, trying to sing TJ and Company, Drennan, TJ Drennan and Company's wonderful uh, intro music to your podcast. But I had a comment about Arlen Walker's uh, Ghost Rider. That would be a fun game to play. Arlen, when are you going to run it? Arlen, what about... What about using the Marvel Universe? The Mar new Marvel Universe game. Can you make Ghost Rider in Marvel? I don't know. Jason, have you looked to see if we can make Ghost Rider in Marvel? What about in the other Marvels? Anyway, thanks uh, for fielding Arlen's calls. He's also always very insightful. Uh, I love listening to him, both on his podcast and yours.
<laughs> Thank you, everybody. I did not ask Colin to call in this. He did it on his own, and it made this episode possible. I guess it shows how predictable my show is that <laughs> he, he knew almost to the T exactly what would show up. So very cool. I hope to have my voice back in a regular episode out next week um, where I'll have to tell you about that contest. So thank you to Colin especially. Thank you to all the callers. And I hope everybody out there is taking care of themselves. We'll talk to you next time. Joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. Is a dustman and your moil is by a tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck